Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's February 9th, 2021. I'm Gavin Pickin, Software Consultant with Auto Solutions, and I'm joined by Eric today. Hey, Gavin. Glad to be here. Good to see you, bud. Well, I'm rocking out my Hectoberfish shirt today. Just got it in the mail, so I'm, that's why I'm not wearing the polo, but pretty cool. These these get brighter every year, I swear. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yep, for sure. Well, why don't we start off by thanking our sponsors? Yeah, we want to thank our sponsor, Order Solutions. Order Solutions, one way to give back to them is to support CFCast, which is our premier video training site, releasing new content every week. And we'd also like to thank our Patreon supporters. We currently have 33 Patreons, providing 61% of the funding for this podcast. You yeah. can learn more at patreon.com slash Solutions. And thank you so much for your support. Yeah, and last week uh, we had Luis on the show, and he actually mentioned a few uh, new incentives for those Patreon supporters. So I know that the marketing team is uh, working on getting the Patreon page updated and the order site. So uh, we'll remind you those at the end of the show, too, just in case you didn't hear them. But uh, yeah, so thank you to everyone making this podcast possible and helping us with our open source initiatives. Okay, so let's get into some news, and uh, the big thing on our list, uh, John, if you're listening, this is for you, the quick workshop dates have been announced. <laughs> Woo! That's right. Um, I'll be leading that workshop. It is going to be March 11th and 12th, a two-day workshop going over how to get started with Quick, uh, how it can work in your application, the mindset of Quick, and how it can give you some awesome uh, superpowers with your models and your entities. Cool. I'm going to post the link in the chat for those watching live. And yeah, that's uh, pretty exciting that we got that one scheduled. It's coming up pretty soon. I can't believe it's almost uh, a month away now. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, John, when you listen, that's where you get it. Uh, we'll have more information on the, the website soon, too. But, uh, yeah, you can always reach out and ask Eric more. Uh, I know we have a, do you have an outline for that coming soon as well? They'll have on the site? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's uh, it's with our marketing team. So um, I believe actually it's on the Eventbrite page as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. You can go there. You can see what we're going to cover, some of the prerequisites. Perfect. So it's going to be great. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, next up, we also have uh, an Audis webinar this month. So on the 26th of February, 11 a.m. Central Time, John Clawson is going to be taking you through one of our newer products, Stashbox. So take control of logging and error handling with Stashbox. And cool thing about this, unlike everything else, it's powered by Elasticsearch. So that's the, the big difference in this one over some of the other error handling and logging tools that you know we've worked with. And uh, we love Elasticsearch. And this is uh, how John uh, basically powered up his logging. So it uh, should be a fun one. I've seen that some of the little samples and demos he's done for Audis, and it's pretty neat. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. Uh, the other amazing thing about Stashbox is the logo. <laughs> and I'm going to find it and put it in the, sto in the uh, show notes. 
But uh, it is based on Log Stash, but the logo is about the other stash, and it's amazing. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. We also have an Adobe webinar, uh, webinar, not webinar, webinar coming up here. Uh, it's going to be on February 24th at 8 a.m. Pacific time. And that's going to be uh, the one called SQL, I Know Enough to Break Everything. So uh, that sounds like a, a Dave Ferguson one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the, the website <laughs> does not have a, have the speaker on there, but I assume that's Dave. Uh, I've seen this session before, and it's a great session. So um, if you've written SQL in any way, shape, or form, you've probably done some scary things with it and uh, made some mistakes, and uh, Dave knows enough to break everything. And so he shares a few stories and a, a few hints on how not to, to do that. Um, so... So yeah, but um, that's basically um, the webinar. the The link here is going to be you already share it. Eric's on top of it here, so the, it's in the show notes. Um, but yeah, and I can if you want to find out more about the webinars and events, they have it on the coldfusion.adobe.com portal. Um, so that's where I found that one. So um, register for that one if you haven't seen it. It's a great session. Um, so. Definitely cool. Last up, we wanted to highlight something posted on our Ortis community uh, from Mr. John Farrar. He is doing a Docker meeting for the Mid-Michigan Fusion user group. So we'll paste a link to that on the community site and you can check out that meetup as well. Yep. So here uh, it is. Do we know the date for that? Um, no, I, I didn't see that yet. So hopefully John will be posting this shortly. So uh sign up to the the portal and follow this thread and uh, you should get updates as he posts that out um in michigan usually post on the facebook group i believe um so uh rick mason is the one in charge of that so yeah we'll, we'll give you more information but um uh, just wanted to show you guys that yeah people are in the oldest community using it and it's great to see and uh yeah real-time um, follow-up john is in the chat he says it is next tuesday likely at 7 p.m. Eastern. So there we go. Cool. Um, well, keep an eye on that thread so you can get links and everything. And yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for posting in the orders community. Cool. Cool. So I'll update that as we go in the show notes. That way it's there for everyone watching or listening later. Okay. Um, next up, we just have a reminder that Luis's book is coming very soon. Uh, 102 cold box MVC quick tips and tricks. We talked to him last week about it quite a bit. So if you want to catch last uh, week's episode, episode 89, uh, you can find out more about that book and how it came together. So next up, we have some information on CFCast. So you want to give us a little CFCast update there? Yeah, we have new videos that have come out this week in the What's New with Cold Box 6 series and the Command Box um, Zero to Hero series. So both of those are available on CFCast. You can go subscribe today and watch. I think there's seven new videos, so lots of content coming out. Yep, and I think there's a more uh, Command Box uh, workshop videos coming out this week as well, so keep an eye out on that. Yep. Okay. Cool, cool. So next up, we have some more conferences and training. And so uh, coming up next week, we have the Devolution from DevNexus, the virtual conference free and online at devnexus.com. And I'll share my screen for those watching. So a lot of great stuff, a lot of great speakers in here. Um, 
some pretty big names too in the Java world. Um, everything JVM related, you can pretty much find at this conference here. So some, I don't even live in the JVM world that much, to be honest, and I recognize a few of these names. So uh, some big ones. So yeah, so uh, definitely check that out. It's a great free conference. And you know, even if you don't play in the JVM, deep in the JVM very often, uh, there's still some good content there. You know, there's some Docker stuff as well, and you know, a few things that apply across the board. So we also have a new one uh, posted, it's shared by Charlie Earhart, Redis Conf 2021. So uh, there's actually a call for speakers that ends this week too. So if you guys are wanting to do a Redis talk, maybe we should uh, get a few Redis talks out there now that we have uh, Redis support in Adobe ColdFusion. And then we have the Redis extension too for Lucy, right? From Audis. Yes. So uh, there's a link there to uh, actually sign up for a call for speakers. So if you want to fill out the form, uh, you can do that here. And, you know, basically it's a, a nice, nice little conference, just a one-day conference, but uh, Redis is pretty neat. So it's uh, a lot of good content, and yeah. So it looks like um, the conference again is in April. So you've got a couple, uh, one more week if you want to get a session in. And obviously, once the session's in, we'll have more information on who's speaking and what they're speaking about, and all that great stuff. Cool. So. Just a reminder, uh, we mentioned at the start of the show, John, if you missed it, the quick dates have been released, March 11th and 12th, and you can register now on Eventbrite. And then we have uh, more workshops coming. We've got Command Box Zero to Hero, Call Box Zero to Hero, Call Box Hero to Superhero. Dates will be released as we make them. And then we also have uh, ITB being planned for September and ITB LATAM planned for December this year. So we'll give you more information as we get that going forward. Okay, so quick one today. Let's get into some blogs and tweets and videos because we got a few of those today. Yeah. We have a few from uh, Mr. Ben Nadal. Uh, the first one about uh, follow-up to using ColdFusion custom tags to create an HTML email DSL in Lucy. Um, yeah, <coughs> this was a, a great use case, you know, for ColdFusion being a very tag-based language and HTML emails being horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of different libraries, like, this out there and um i think it's a great opportunity to look at these custom tags i'll, yeah. I'll be honest i don't usually use custom tags in cold fusion but this is a, a like i said last week this is one of the great use cases for it that actually makes sense yeah and so the cool thing is about this one is ben actually <clears throat> excuse me shared his uh his repo here so you can actually get all the files too and the good thing about the blog post is he's saying that it's basically at a proof of concept level now. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. And for those of you who maybe haven't are wondering why you'd need a custom library for HTML emails, um, email clients notoriously do not render HTML like as well as browsers. <laughs> and they take all sorts of different tricks and very specific syntax. And so, um, what Ben's doing here, if you dive into the source, is encapsulating all that craziness 
into these new custom tags so you don't have to remember that each time. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, basically the big thing with email is you have to inline style all your stuff. And so it's going to be really messy doing that. So using the tags allows you to, to do that on the fly. And I think he's even using some JSoup in there. Um, but he's doing some pretty cool things. And then he's using the CF import to import groups of tags together. So you have the little namespace and it's pretty cool. So yeah, he did a good job. And this one just goes in a little more detail. Uh, he did have some other ones last week, but yeah. So if you're doing email stuff, um, check out the other blog post too. It has links to, I think it was lucid for, uh, or maybe a, there's a couple other uh, tools he mentions for testing your emails, which is life-saving. So yeah. Yeah. He, uh, mentions at the end, a different template <coughs> line, a different template library called MJML, which does a lot of things with responsive layout. We've actually used that at Ordis. Um, and it's, it's really nice. It really looks like this custom tag stuff though. Right. It's just, um, if you've done React components, view components, custom tags, all of those kind of look the same. I think the nice thing about this is it doesn't have to be compiled like beforehand. All the MJML stuff we're like throwing through Webpack and stuff. So, so it's kind of nice to have the rapid development that we're used to in Cold Fusion. So. Yeah, and I think someone on Twitter was saying how they uh, were doing some CF wrapper versions of the MJML as well. So lots huh. of cool stuff going on out there. So uh, I think if you look at Ben on Twitter, you can see the response. I think it was James Moberg. He has a lot to say on uh, all the little cool tools he builds and stuff. So possibly one of his. Okay. Now this one, next one is from Ben, but this is a uh, part of the process of removing implicit variable access at scale in Lucy. So I'm sure this one has lots of controversy around it. Um, but for those of you who don't know what implicit variable access is, it's basically talking about how if it's unscoped variable, that basically it'll walk up the, you know, walk up the scopes trying to find where it's at, etc. And so what you can actually do is you can you can disable it. Uh, and a lot of people are saying that if you're if you have unscoped variable that's super slow and a lot of other people will say, well, it depends if you tested it, you know, and that's always a good answer to that, uh, you know, slower. Um, but anyway, so he looked at um, this and basically because of the way he's using this, these email um, custom tags and the amount of high repetitive volume, as he puts it, um, he said that it basically did make a meaningful difference. Not everybody will see that, but in this case, um, he did see, you know, a pretty big difference. And so he looked at going through and using debugging information to try and figure out, you know, implicit variable accesses and how many there were and how long it took, et cetera. So this was sort of the process of him, you know, using that information and then basically getting it down from over a second up in the, and one set to 34 milliseconds, which is pretty big difference. Um, so, and I, I like the motto here. So no matter what you're doing, first make it work, then make it right, and then make it fast, you know? <laughs> so worry about speed at the end. If it's not working, it doesn't really matter how fast it is. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of interesting because I know that, you know, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of arguments about some of this stuff and people complain about, you know, speed all the time, but a lot of times when you test it, like even if you scope everything, it doesn't make much of a difference a lot of the time. So. Yeah, I, 
I have thoughts about it. I think it's good to know how to throw this debugger in to see when it actually matters. I'm sad that it does matter. Like at one point he mentions that he refactored in each loop to a for loop. So because you can't use the argument scope inside the closure because that now refers to the closures arguments. And it seems like that, that I shouldn't have to care about that. Like Lucy shouldn't <laughs> penalize me for using functional programming over for loops. It just makes me sad. I know I've had people open issues on some of our repos like QB, which uses callbacks and closures a lot. And they'll have run this debugging and say, hey, look, you have all these unscoped things and it's all inside closure. And I shouldn't have to worry about that. Lucy, please make it so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a tough one. So but again, you know, test it. You either use debugging information like this or maybe use Fusion Reactor to, to really get some stats and numbers on it and you know, and test it properly and, and see if it's worth it. Because I know we've done a lot of work with Coldbox over time and done all this work and you know, really the the difference in speed is I mean almost not noticeable sometimes. So just one of those things. Yeah. So. Like you mentioned, you really have to be calling the, doing the same scope lookup thousands of times for it to start to slow down your code. So yeah, and that's one of the things. Especially because with we, the with the order, like you're going, what is it? Local arguments, variables, then like form URL. So like, in, like if you're in local or arguments, you're not saving a ton of time by skipping that one step. Yeah. And I would argue if you're relying on scope lookup to go all the way to former URL, you might find some other problems in your code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I know a lot of people will basically, if it's not local or arguments, they'll use it, you know, maybe some rule like that. And that makes sense. Yeah. I know I've got bitten before I had some old code and we switched versions a long time ago, but they changed the order of the lookups. And that bit me. And oh. I think when they went from like CF8 to CF9 a long, long time ago, like I said. But yeah, they changed the order of the lookups and all my code started freaking out. <laughs> uh, I can't remember which, so, what it was, but it was yeah some lookup order change missed me. So from then I've started using it very <laughs> adamantly. So I'd be very interested now that I'm looking through more of Ben's post if the speed increase came from adding the arguments prefix or simply not using an each loop, if something with that with Lucy. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. Let's dig in. See if he had, he put all his examples up there to dig into. So, yeah, anyway. that's the thing is it's hard to know what what really makes a difference, especially at small scale. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we also have a video, a little live stream from Matthew Clemente. So he's been working on this Prism JS stuff for a while now. Um, and so he's been uh, working on this language definition. And so he actually gets into how to test that, which is pretty neat. So it has its own little syntax highlighting test. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. So he goes through uh, goes through this. And I mean, I, yeah, I'm blown away by the, the one, the time, but also the, the things people are playing with these days when, when they're doing this. So I really appreciate you sharing this, Matthew. Uh, it's pretty neat. I'm so excited for this to be done and replace all the <laughs> syntax highlighting things that we use with it because there are not a lot of great choices for CFML. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, let's see. Okay. okay. There's a podcast out this week, the Working Code Podcast, episode eight. Yeah. Uh, about their origin stories, part two. Yeah. Sounds like superheroes. Yep. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think the first one they had, um, Carolyn Adams. And then last, no, I'm confused now. Anyway, they had, uh, two in, uh, in episode seven and the other two in episode eight. For some reason, I thought it was, uh, Ben and um, Ben and Carol went last week, but maybe I'm confused. So maybe Carol Adams. Anyway, it's kind of cool to see their superhero uh, backstories and origin stories, and you know, find out more about them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've obviously met these all of these these guys and girls at conferences, and it's kind of cool to hear more about their background. So it's a good little podcast I've got going there, the Working Code podcast. So check that out. Next okay. up, we another. have another one, Ben. <laughs> Hi, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for giving us some blog posts this week. <laughs> That's why Ben started his own podcast, because he was talking about himself all day long on our podcast. <laughs> He's like, start my own. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is about, and he, it's titled, Enterprise is Not a Dirty Word, and just talking about how sometimes just talking about enterprise software or working on it, I, I often hear it just called legacy like anything big is now legacy yeah. and just how like it doesn't have to have the negative connotation it has. Yeah. Right. Because that, that software is de- delivering a lot of value to a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I like the way he says it too, that basically enterprise developers err on the side of robust, dependable battle tested technologies because they have to, you know, they have to work. They have to be solid you know the enterprise has an enterprise tag price tag for a reason things need to work they have to be well supported and so yeah usually they're a little more you know slow to evolve and they're not the new shiny silver you know thing that we're all chasing but whatever they're using it's because it was you know a solid battle tested technology that they could rely on for years to come so yeah i think one thing that gives enterprise software a bad rep that ben brings up in this article is that it's very long lived and the average web developer like is not at a company that long <laughs> right and so there's nobody that knows the whole system because everyone's moving around and the system is very specific to the customer it was built for it's not a general purpose system it's made to do very specific things so it is weird and it does have things that don't make sense to somebody coming in and it maybe isn't as elegant but it's delivering awesome value to that customer. So, yeah. Yeah. The average tenure for web developer at a given job is two years. That's crazy. I believe it. Well, I know a lot of people are jumping jobs every six months or a year just to get that salary jump because it's way easier to get a salary bump changing jobs. But, I mean, I've in the States, I've worked here, and I worked for eight years for one company, eight years for another company. I'm like five and a half years into orders so i'm not one of those people <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not a jumper probably safer for everybody so <laughs> okay so next up we have one from will de bruin and will's a cold box user but one thing i like about will is he's not shy and he's willing to you know do things his way and so and this one here is another perfect example um, problem details for HTTP APIs. So in this blog post, he talks about modifying your Coldbox REST response handler. 
And so Callbox had a base handler response for RISPL service for many years. And we kind of had it as a module, but then we made it more of a template. Um, and so that way you could customize it. Because really these things you kind of customize and evolve over time. And so one of the cool things about it was that it wrapped everything up and did a lot of the basic stuff that you needed, you know, error handling and everything else. And it did a really good job of it. Um, and the response object that we use basically looked like the what you see here, if you, those who are watching. We have a, you know, a data key, an error key, and a messages array key. And then we added a pagination recently because we started doing lots of pagination with all our APIs. And so this is sort of how it usually looks. But... Um, if you don't like that format, like Will, um, you can change it up. So it's pretty neat. Do you want to tell them how to actually, how we went about overriding the, the cold box defaults? Yeah, I think he mentions that you use a pre-process interceptor and set the response object to what you create. And um, yeah, I, I think what I thought was most interesting about this is he wanted a, a different response for errors for his REST handler. And I guess there's an RFC for that. Well, there's probably an RFC for everything. But um, that's what he was doing here. He's conforming to RFC 7807, which oh. defines all the stuff that you can see in here. So, I mean, that's cool. I've never heard of anybody else using that, which is so it's probably not a very commonly adhered to RFC, but still cool. That was a funny thing. One thing I liked about the response handler we were using is that it's not mag you know magically different when you get in a success versus an error. You know, it's the same keys, just different information in them, and and you can reuse the keys as needed. But I guess yeah, if there's an RFC, and you know, it makes sense to conform to that. And if they're already doing that already, you know, why not do that again? You know, keep that going. Yeah. So, Will's made his own one, and it's kind of neat. And he says it's not a very like popular it. RFC, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's a stand, some kind of standard. Yep. Yep. So yeah. we don't care. Doesn't matter what standards you have, just pick one. <laughs> yeah, as long as you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation with a client the other day where we were talking about standards instead of you know, like one of these companies that they work with. Everyone has all these different standards, and so they made a new standard that'll accept all the standards. <laughs> so we're like, how is that? How is that working? If you're making more standards to to you know basically accept new standards when you're using a standard was to bring everyone together, so that's just kind of you know contradictory. So let's make more standards to accept more standards. I am now contractually obliged to include the XKCD comment uh, comic for that. So we'll throw that in the show notes. Okay. For those so. who are watching, I will share that really quickly as well. Uh, situation. There are 14 competing standards. 14? Ridiculous. We need to develop one universal standard that covers everyone's use case. Yeah. Now there's 15 competing standards. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, uh, short and sweet little selection of blogs there, but we have a find a job section here, and this section is actually not so short and sweet this this week. Right, I think there's 12 new jobs this week, and so, there may be I mean, some cross posting as well because I have noticed a couple of them are um, similar. You'll see the Canberra, several Canberra ones. Yeah. So I've noticed but lately there's been a couple of double ups. They all look to be full-time positions. We have a remote position in the United States. We have one in, oh, wow, Amendabab, India. Some in Australia. 
is a senior application developer in the UK. And another one in Maharashtra, India. So all over the world, for 12 new jobs. So pretty awesome. Yep. yep. So lots of good content. Uh, obviously, click on them and uh, find out a little more about it. You can get them at getcfmiljobs.com. And yeah, over 40 co-position positions, I think, since the uh, start of December now. So lots of things coming out. Uh, you can post jobs here if you guys are looking for a job. Uh, and it does scrape things like Indeed and some of those other places. And that's why we get double up sometimes if you're posting the job at different places. But um, yeah, and you can obviously sort by some countries and types as well. Again, nice little Cofusion app free for the, the community. So cool to see, see that being used. Okay. So next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. So we have a barcode generator by Alan Quinlan. And yeah, Alan's one of uh, our own here at Ortis. Yep. And, and he's made a... Oh, I was going to say, yeah, he uh, responded to the job posting that we had uh, for several weeks uh, late last year. And he's one of the developers we picked up. So this is one of the modules he created. Yeah, this is a, a great way to create a barcode. You can either get an image object back or write it to a disk. Uh, at some point in your career, you'll need a barcode for something. So <laughs> handles a lot of the common formats. I know this code 128 QR codes are the one UPCs. Those are the ones I know I've used. So um, looks like a handy little library. Yep. Very cool. Okay. Next up. Our VS Code Hint, Tip, and Trick of the Week is a video about hints and tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> so this was from the VS Code Day that was recorded. And so this is how some tips and tricks, how to be productive. So this is like a fire hose of tips and tricks compared to what you get from us uh, yep. one a week. Yeah, and this is from one of the core members on the team, I believe, too. So uh, they must know what they're talking about, right? So we hope, yeah, we hope <laughs> so it's up on YouTube. It's just a 30 minute little video here. Um, but definitely check this out. Um, you can find it on the Microsoft learn site. All the VS code day videos were posted there, but they're not as easy to find as this link. So when I found this on Twitter, I thought I'd snatch that and uh, share that with you guys. So, um, yeah, lots of little tips and tricks, little shortcuts using command palette and everything else as well. But, uh, very cool little video and hopefully you guys will be able to be a little more productive i think we've almost even got brad using it like 50 percent of the time now <laughs> uh, we're still trying to pry out cold fusion builder from him i think someone needs to write an extension which makes managing your projects easier because that's his biggest complaint about vs code is it pops up you know new folders for all your little projects instead of having all of them in one big thing but i think he just doesn't know how to use workspaces I was gonna say, yeah, you can create a workspace with all your projects. Yeah, it, it, VS Code can do whatever you'd like it to do, <laughs> which is what well, is great and horrible about it. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, a lot of um, stuff. But you know, I'm glad that somebody like Brad could come over and have all their projects on their sidebar. That would drive me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I use my shortcuts and open windows, and it's nice that this one tool can work for both of us. Yep, for sure. Okay, well, next up, 
with our Patreon supporters. So before we go and thank them all, we want to tell you a little bit more about some of those new um, perks, basically, for becoming a, a supporter. So if you go to patreon.com slash autosolutions, you can see the different packages we have. And if you're a bronze package and up, now you get a Forgebox Pro and a CFCast subscription as a perk for the Patreon subscription, which is pretty neat. So um, we're, we're rolling out some new Forgebox updates, as Luis mentioned last week as well. But yeah, having your own Forgebox Pro account and then CFCast subscription itself is a pretty nice little perk. Obviously, a lot of good content coming there. Some of it is free, but there's quite a lot of it that's behind that uh, subscription account too. So... Uh, another cool thing is if you're a Patreon supporter, you have your own profile badge on the community website. So the new Autos community, uh, we imported all our Patreon supporters and give them their own little tag. And they get private access to their private forum on the community website too. So that's kind of neat. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you can get in there and ask questions. And uh, basically only Patreon supporters can, can get in there. And Autos team as well, of course, so we can answer your questions. But... Uh, it's kind of a little private club there for all you cool patron supporters. <laughs> so uh, those are some of the things. And like I said, we'll have more information going up on the Patreon site and on the order site as well. But you heard it here first about uh, some of these perks. So if you're a patron supporter and you haven't got that email about your CFCast subscription, let us know. We can get that taken care of for you. Oh, sorry. If you're a bronze package hey, up, a bronze. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost missed that one. So, but yeah, I know some people were sort of split between Patreon and, and see if you know see if cast. So, trying to make it easy for everybody. But yeah, you want to go ahead and read off the names of these wonderful people that are paying their hard-earned money to support us. I'd love to. Thank you to Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman. Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Mario Rodriguez, John Wilson, Joseph Lamery, Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Didier Lesnicki, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Janik, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Kennig, Laxma Titrahadi, Leon Saramelis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Yogesh Mathur, and Stephen Klotz. Thank you for supporting Or the Solutions, this podcast, all our open source projects. Thank you so much. Yep. And in the chat, John made a note that he said there was another VS Code day today, but <clears throat> I think it was actually a release party. So they have release parties every month when they do their releases. So they have a little live video with a team for, I think it's a live stream for about an hour. So if you follow them on Twitter, you guys can check out when they are as well. Um, and if we get them in time, I will try and announce them on the podcast, but usually they announce them a few days before. And by that time, it's already too late. So, but yeah, just wanted to make sure we didn't miss that as well so yeah short and sweet this week uh some good content um lots of good stuff coming up but yeah thanks everybody for joining us and thanks eric for joining me yeah we'll catch you guys later have a good one everybody bye show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. 
The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.